right, all right. How how are we sounding right now? Can you hear me? I can definitely hear you really well. Can you hear me well? Uh, yep, of course. I can hear you good. Cool, okay. cool. Oh. So we are here in this beautiful location right now. Um, it's nice, no? It's beautiful. I like the background. I like the backdrop. Yeah, this is a great place. Yeah, thank you for picking this spot. Yeah, I was when I was thinking of a location, I was thinking, well, you do, you know, you do juicing. I was like thinking maybe like a juice spot or a nice health spot or something unique, something with a, a good background. Yeah. And I told you that about that juice spot, but this is way better. I yeah, like this. it's weird. It's like I used to come here a lot when I first got to Tulum, and then I just sort of forgot about it recently. And then when you were asking me for locations, I wasn't sure I'd name like Holistica and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was like working one day, and this just popped into my head, and I was like, this is where we should go. So <laughs> I, also because I hadn't been here in a while, and it's just like such a chill place. You know? Yeah, I think uh, this place... They have two other spots, right? One in Adozama and one on the beach. Yeah. But everyone always talks about how the uh, the food here is so good. Like the smoothie bowls yeah. are one of the... Do you think the smoothie bowls are the best here? Or where would you say they're the best? Ooh, good question. Besides the one that you make. <laughs> Honestly, the, the ones... Yeah. <laughs> nice, smooth. Um, the ones at Holistica are really good. Really? Have you ever had a smoothie bowl at Holistica? Uh, did I have it? It's freaking delicious. I think I've had their uh, coconut curry, which is really good. Yeah. So but. the way that they so what makes an amazing smoothie bowl is really texture and flavor profile. And the way that they do their texture, it's a lot like ice cream, ah. which is like super yummy. So I would say so far, one of my favorite places was there or there's Likido and Salido. But their texture is not as good for the smoothie bowls, but their flavors are great. You know what? I went there on a date and the girl was so excited to come actually here. <laughs> and, or not it's here staple, that's why but they know they wanted to come either here or the one on the beach okay. and they wanted to try the smoothie bowl because they right. heard it was good and we went to uh, that this place Likido and Solido yeah and honestly she was so disappointed because the, the bowl was watery it was watery it's, it is too watery it's too watery yeah they don't do the consistency properly they don't have like the proper setup or whatever that it is yeah I think and also so she had ordered um these like blueberries or something and they gave her like three of them or something blueberries are hard to come by yeah but they gave They're her crazy like expensive and they were here. super tiny and she was so disappointed because she hadn't gotten it as an extra um, and uh, yeah. yeah so i would say their smoothies are amazing their fre their cold pressed juices and There's their smoothie bowl flavors are cool okay but in terms of texture the texture they need to work watery, on that. Yeah. it's just too watery yeah that's what she was she's just like this is like soup yeah yeah, like cold, it's, it's, like liquid. The texture for smoothie bowls is hard because you need a good quality blender and you need right. to make sure all of your stuff's frozen. Mm. And it's hard in temperatures like this, right? Yeah, so you really yeah. need to have a good setup, which obviously Holistica being the premier location destination that it is, like right. they really nailed it. So yeah, I mean, what a so you need to have a good blender and good ingredients. So frozen ingredients, frozen, yeah, because that's what makes ice cream, right? Or you can have one of those masticating juicers. And then you can actually make nice cream with your juicer. With a juicer? Yeah, so you can put what? in your frozen bananas and out come like this like amazing gooey frozen ice creamy texture. In a juicer. You can, yeah. <laughs> so, but you need like one of those, they're called masticating juicers or ro rotating juicers. Like not the big ones like Breville where you're putting everything in the top, which uh -huh. is a centrifugal juicer. Right. You need like the more cold press style juicers. Ah. So that's why they're, if you ever on the market for a juicer, get that because you can do literally everything. You can make peanut butter, 
You can do uh, the, the nice greens. You can do all your leafy greens. You could do apples and pineapples and watermelon and just like potatoes, everything. Oh my God. I'm, yeah. I, f- I feel like this podcast, I'm going to learn so much. <laughs> I'm going to go on Amazon or go somewhere at Costco and just, just have a new juicer. But I have a Vitamix blender, which is, Ooh, I think, great. I think Vit- our Vitamix is like top, top, right? They're considered the top. There's a few other ones on the market that are, the quality is as good, but they don't have the Vitamix name okay. for the marketing. But you can't go wrong with a Vitamix. It lasts forever and you can do everything in it. So what's something that's just as good but doesn't have the name? So when we first did uh, our juice business back in Montreal, we didn't. We were like, you know, uh, like a seed, working on seed money, right? So we were bootstrapping. And so we got a blender called the Wearis. The Wearis. Right. And that is like 200 or $300 less than the Vitamix and <laughs> was really comparable. So we were just like, okay, we can save $300. Let's do it. You know, yeah, yeah. so we got that and it lasted a really long time. I think my sister might still have it in her storage facility. Okay. And that was really good too, right? But, you know, after that, we got a Vitamix. Right. It's just so. the Vitamix. It's not just the name, it's quality. I've had yeah. my Vitamix for like 13 years. Oh my God, 13 yeah. My years. parents bought one in like the 80s or something and they had theirs for like 15, 20 years. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's amazing. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile investment, honestly. Yeah, like, I remember when I first bought it, I went to Costco and bought it and my dad was like, are you crazy? You spent that much money on a blender? And and he and now he uses it and it's like wow it's still going yeah. and it's great because if you buy the less expensive blenders you get something for like 70 80 dollars mm-hmm. in two years you're rebuying them yeah and it's not you and know. if you want to make certain things like i make um a cashew a raw vegan cashew cheesecake and mm-hmm. just to blend the cashews and the coconut fat and everything together requires a lot of power yep. and a lot of blenders can't handle it no no they definitely can't and this it's like the vitamix is like a commercial blender right Right. like it's and so if you're living a vegan lifestyle and you are getting creative with all those nuts and all that kind of stuff you do really need you need to invest in your kitchen equipment yeah and even still um i know some small businesses might have gone through so many blenders and then they eventually just end up going to the vitamix because it's good like they they'll go from like a nutribullet which is a good or a ninja but then it just starts breaking apart and then they'll get something better and they're just yeah. like, ah, fine. I hated get- the Ninja. I went through that blender too when I was developing initially the recipes for this book. Oh, yeah? Uh, we got the Ninja and it was like, no. It was just because of the way the blades are kind of all yeah, yeah. sort of like in a, they're all separated and they go all the way down. So you'd think you're getting this like amazing mixing capacity, mm-hmm. but you, it, it grinds so quickly it, and it's not fine. So you ended up with granular residue. Uh, and if you're making like a Nutella smoothie and you're putting in like real hazelnuts, you want to make sure that you're getting something silky at the end right. because anything that's granular is like not an enjoyable smoothie. It's like, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But so the, Vita, the, um, the Ninja has those blades and they just don't work. They, they, I guess they work for certain things, but I think if you're looking to do things like smoothie bowls and smoothies, which most people get a blender to do smoothie, let's say, right? Or right. maybe make soups and sauces. I found that it didn't do as fine of a job. Mm, okay. Right? I didn't like, yeah. I guess the Vitamix, the way that it is with high, it's so high powered and I guess it creates like an inner vortex or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a blender engineer, so don't <laughs> take me. Please don't listen to the vocabulary. But she knows it. what she's talking about. <laughs> but basically it's just, everything can come out like creamy and everything can come out the texture that you want if you work with the proper settings mm, on okay. the blender. The Ninja for me was, yeah. Like, I think it works if you're just if you're just blending bananas and avocados and if you're not developing something that you're selling to people. Right. Right. But. And uh, the Vitamix is also much easier to clean. 
But it's amazing how it's just one small blade. Yeah. It's a, it's a, such a simple design. Yeah. And it works so well. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's so easy to wash. You just put some hot water and some soap and just, yep. you can make soup. Yeah. How crazy is yeah, that? Yeah, that's the thing. It's the blender that you can use for literally everything. everything. So like if you think about having to buy a food processor plus a blender plus you know maybe a seed grinder plus all and then you add all that up you realize that paying the hundreds of dollars that the Vitamix is plus the warranty and how long mm, it actually lasts yeah. it's an investment that is like worthwhile it's gonna last so you can keep for, it years. for like years years for like a decade. decades, yeah. <laughs> decades. <Plural. laughs> yeah. like, exactly yeah yeah what I, so you can use it for so many things but what about um so juicing? What's what's better for for making juices or smoothies? Is it a a blender or a juicer? So, you know, you can actually make juices with a blender and a strainer. Okay. But honestly, if you're really looking for that high nutrient density from a cold pressed juice, let's say, you want to go with an actual juice machine, a juice okay. extractor, and they really separate the fiber from the liquid and the nutrients and they usually don't use a lot of heat mm. so you want to go for a cold press or a masticating juicer and that way you're kind of ensuring that you're maintaining the nutritional integrity of, mm. of the vegetables and fruits that you're actually juicing because okay. centrifugal juicers are a good starter juicer if you're just getting into it or if you don't have a big budget and you still want to incorporate juices in your life do it for sure it's but you're about you're losing about 30 percent of your nutrients with those kinds of juicers because they they spin and they create more heat and the more heat the more you're killing off live enzymes the more you're killing off you know all of the nutrients vitamins minerals and all those things that are so anything that's like you know for instance alkaline coffee or like cold pressed coffee that's really popular these right. days well they use cold extraction and that maintains the actual antioxidants inside the coffee and the coffee you know the liquid that you're actually ultimately be drinking Wow. So, so yeah, yeah, some people don't even think about that. They just think that which one is better or for consistency, what which one would you say is better? Well, the juicer? Yeah, I mean, look, if you if you want like a fiberless juice every time and you want that, you know, you want to do green juices every morning, then you go for a juicer. If not, you can use a blender, but remember, a blender is heating. Mm. So I also heard that it's also putting in oxygen, like it's oxidating. Uh, it the, does, yeah. The, the, like the yeah, yeah, how fast it, it goes. Absolutely, that's every time that you're using any type of motion, you're creating, you know, an environment of oxygenation, right? right? Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, look, if you're throwing some stuff in a blender and you're getting ready to eat it right away, <laughs> you know, it's not going to oxidize. It's not yeah, going to. Yeah. It's going to the impact is going to be minimal if you're right. eating a whole foods diet, if you're generally healthy, like if you're depending on that one smoothie or that one juice For, to yeah. save you, <laughs> then invest, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also maybe don't have that philosophy, but separate <laughs> conversation. Um, but ultimately, you can still have a really great healthy lifestyle drinking smoothies or doing juices in the blender. You know? OK, so it depends on your lifestyle, your budget, your time. If you want to go and invest in a fancy juicer, but you're literally never going to use it. Right. What's the point? What's the point of doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. Can I just uh, see your mic real quick? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You got me. Just wanted to test it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think also to the fiber, right? People think, well, if I use a juicer, then it's not doesn't have any fiber in it. And I'm just getting the sugar. What do you think mm -hmm. about that? So that's a valid point because if people are just juicing a bunch of fruits and you're taking out the fiber 
you are ending up with a lot more concentrated sugar mm. that your body has to kind of deal with and metabolize. So you're still going to get like this insulin reaction going on in your body, which is very similar if you were just eating any other type of refined sugar. And that's kind of what you want to avoid. You always want to create like blood sta uh, sugar stability in the body. Okay. So the idea is that with any type of juice without fiber, you really want it to be vegetable forward. But so yeah. so you want to juice more vegetables than than, than uh, fruits. Yeah. Than fruits. Okay. Yeah. And you can put some fruit in your veggie juices, but don't make like an apple, pineapple, orange juice mm -hmm. with no fiber in it i mean obviously if you're doing it once in a while there's still vitamins and minerals in that but remember you're also going to be getting a sugar reaction in the body whereas for those types of fruit forward drinks you want to use a blender because you're going to have the fiber right. although it's been blended which technically is a form of pre-digestion you're still the fiber is still there so mm -hmm. it's a slower process when your digestive system comes in contact with it and it slows the absorption of sugar into the bloodstream. Ah, and so, what, what's the difference between a vegetable and a fruit? Uh, like, well, the compounds in it. And so vegetables don't have as much sugar inside of it. Right? Okay. Mostly, that's why they're not as sweet. Like cucumber, for instance, super water-based. It's got a whole ton of minerals in it. Okay. It does have vitamins and stuff as well. But fruits basically are have more sugar in them in general more sugar is yeah. that i heard that a tomato is a fruit and someone used to say that ketchup is like a smoothie <laughs> i've never thought of it like that but when you put ketchup on your fries you're putting a, a smoothie on your fries listen i mean you can make an argument for anything today for sure i think that that's a pretty witty way of looking at it for you know definitely um I mean, a smoothie can be anything technically that you throw in and make into a liquid, right? Right. So uh, smoothies can also, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess like that's a, Yeah, right? Like, yeah. A vegetable yeah. smoothie. And well, yeah. Like, there's green smoothies that are super popular these days. You can right. throw in all kinds of really healthy stuff in those too, right? Oh. You can make a green smoothie without any fruit in it. Oh, that is, that is a good point. Yeah, but I think most people associate smoothies, like, with fruit, fruity, berry, right? Kind of. Kind yeah, of yeah, concoctions. yeah, right. The strawberry. But and anything the... that you throw in there, blend to make smooths, ultimately is a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> you smoothified it. <laughs> yeah. What is ice? What is nice cream? So it's a term that is used for non-dairy. Uh, I guess they use bananas a lot, but fruit-based sort of ice cream texture, so, right? So yeah. let's say I freeze a bunch of bananas uh -huh. and then I throw them in my blender and I make this like awesome gooey creamy and you so when you take a a, a scoop out of it mm -hmm. it's gonna taste this has it's gonna have the same texture as ice cream right but it's not ice cream because ice cream by definition is dairy based mm, okay right? cream yeah using the word ice cream. cream so what nice cream nice cream is a term that's been given to like kind of like a more a healthier right. version that has the same texture plant-based do, do yeah. you have to add some kind of like plant-based milk to it or is it mostly just bananas and you can listen you can add whatever you want to anything um mm. it's gonna be pretty tough if you're throwing a bunch of bananas in a blender without any liquid at all and they're totally yeah. frozen yeah it's gonna take a long time to blend it the vitamix is great for that but i think even with that i'll usually add a bit of nut milk right you know, nut milk is that your favorite bit. type of milk well yeah i don't drink dairy milk okay. so uh for me, it's like, you know, anything almond milk, coconut mm. milk is great. I mean, today you can make, you know, milks out of everything, like pumpkin yeah. seeds and hazelnuts and macadamia and oats and grains like flaxseed. Right. So then if you, you can do it all yourself as well, it's pretty straightforward. So what do you, what do like some people may be listening and they're like, well, I love my uh, dairy milk. Do you have 
What, why is it that you drink it? Do you have anything against the dairy milk or? Well, it, it's What's inflammatory it? in the body, okay. right? It's also not a product that we're supposed to be drinking because it doesn't actually come from like humans, right? Mm. We're drinking mm. another animal's milk. I would say the if you really want to stick with dairy milk just because you like the creaminess or the mouth feel or anything like that, um, the best way to do it is to do either raw milk or to do fermented milk like kefir. Kefir. What yeah. is what is kefir? So kefir is basically a milk product uh, that's been fermented, okay. and so what you do uh, is you add in. They have these kefir grains that are like live bacteria and yeasts, mm. and you add them into you know milk. And then you let it like yogurt, kind of like how you make yogurt, basically, right? right? And then you let the bacteria ferment and it creates kind of like a thicker, a little bit more sour milk. Okay. But the benefit of that is that all of your, you know, beneficial bacteria and probiotics are in that product. Whereas mm. today, if you go into a store and you buy milk and it's pasteurized, it's right. dead food. It's dead. That's why they refortify it. And so it's highly inflammatory in the body, right? And so you get inflammation in your intestine. 60% of the people that are adults don't digest dairy. And they mm. don't understand necessarily that that's the problem because they haven't been dubbed lactose intolerant. But technically after the age of like, after our early teens, we stop producing the enzyme to be able to properly digest milk. Mm. What, do you know the cultures that are 100% lactose? I, I know there's certain cultures, is it Asians or, Ooh, or is it a- uh, question. I don't, I don't know don't offhand. Remember. There's a lot of people lot. that don't drink milk that and that just can't. Yeah, I was like in India, they revere the cow, so I'm not right. sure if milk's a part of their diet. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I probably think that it is because they, they look at it. They look at the cow as something that provides life and nutrients, and yeah, um, they don't eat. They don't eat. They don't eat the meat, meat of the cow, but okay. yeah, they'll probably drink, drink the milk. The milk okay. Maybe some. Yeah, no, I don't know offhand, but okay. I know that there are d definitely cultures that milk is a part of it, but they use, they do fermented milk or mm, raw milk. Yeah, they do, do a lot of the yeah. raw milk. If you're, if you're drinking raw milk, and there's lots of controversy around this, but I'm a proponent of it. If you're drinking raw milk, like it hasn't been tainted or adulterated in any way, you're getting all the nutrients and the healthy fats. And if you're getting it from a cow that's properly taken care of and not commercially over milked and fed poorly, then you can you can right and your body right. your your body's ability to properly you know assimilate nutrients from a food is based on the bacteria that the food itself has and the bacteria that your intestines have to be mm. able to break that food down and absorb it yeah so i think a lot of us forget that the way we break down food is not just in our stomach and acidity but it's also in our digestives in our intestines and yeah. with the bacteria yeah that's that's where all the absorption happens right so yeah, that's a good point yeah if you're if you're like eating amazing but you're not doing so well then you have to look at your digestive situation right i also heard that milk like dairy milk from wherever whatever animal you're drinking it from um should only be taken by itself that it's a whole food so when you do drink dairy milk lines your stomach so you're you can't absorb anything else because mm -hmm. the, the the dairy basically goes around your stomach and then if you eat it with for example cereal or, or some kind of fruit mm. it'll end up fermenting inside of your yeah. your stomach and yeah. then creating gas and your, this bloated feeling maybe that's a, a reason why when we eat like dairy products with other things we feel bloated and mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah no that's a really good point i mean i haven't done a tremendous amount of research on it i have heard that i would 
I would lean towards that theory. Okay. There are some foods that are just like the mono meal. You right. want to eat them on their own. Mono they don't meal. Mix well, right? What, do you know what kind of food, what kind of foods are mono meals? So you you know, for instance, you never want to eat. Well, we talked through food combining. I think yeah, yeah, once, yeah. right? So you don't ever want to eat like meat and anything with sugar, like meat and fruits, right? Mm. Like people will eat like a steak and potatoes. So you're already mixing carbohydrate with meat and then they'll have a dessert right after. And it's like the worst thing possible. So, you know, if you're going to eat, you know, meat, you need to combine it properly. And there are certain foods that just do better kind of on their own. Right. So melons, for instance, the melon family, you want to eat melons with melons because they're so okay. fast digesting that if you mix melons with like berries, it's a slower digesting fruit. You're gonna end up having problems, right? right? The, you're gonna start fermenting yeah. and bubbling inside your stomach. And you, oh, right. or cucumbers too. I heard also people people put cucumbers in their salad and they get bloated. Like, oh, that salad may be bloated. It's not because you put the cucumbers in there or the melons or something like right. that. Right. And to that point, cucumber is kind of part of the melon family, so it you is. can mix cucumber with melon ah, and it goes sense. super well. So you you know so you right. can you eat things in the same family together. So cucumbers and melons are okay. Yeah, they're okay together. Yeah. So anything that's like if you want to look. If you want to know what's best to eat on its own or like in specific groups, you can go online and you can find like how quickly foods get digested in the body. Right. And then you want to pair those that are the same time frame of digestion together. Yeah, yeah. there's also I've seen on like Pinterest and stuff, these uh, food combining charts. Which, yes, exactly. Yeah. They have them online. They have like the alkaline chart, food combining right. charts. These are all available online. Yeah, and they're so. all like divided by sub acid or acid and yes. like. The, the high fats like avocados and what goes well with what yeah um but also too when you were bringing up meat i also heard that um that's also why jewish families separate meat and dairy yes i mean people say well it's this religious thing that um they're not allowed to um, mix meat and um, dairy products together they're supposed to wait I think a, a certain amount of hours and even the utensils have to be washed and placed separately. The the meat utensils and the dairy utensils it has to be kosher. Kosher, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, it also stems from the fact that you, if you put meat, which is uh, whole food, and you put dairy, which is all this like mm -hmm. two really, really big mm -hmm. things together. And when you combine meat and dairy mm -hmm. and you're putting it in your stomach, it's going to... Yeah. not work not combine well yeah yeah 100 percent. so that that then there's other cultures too that they've already have incorporated these sort of like you know separations of things naturally just right. based on their own heritages or their family traditions right yeah and um that's why you don't really see uh kosher cheeseburgers <laughs> yeah i mean think about it. you can't have a cheeseburger, can't have a cheeseburger. A cheeseburger yeah. because it's dairy and meat mm -hmm. um but actually that's where i heard that a lot of the um vegan or non-dairy um, cheeses and, and stuff like that actually came from kosher from Jewish um, Jewish families or business owners that said hey like there's this there's this need for people who want to be able to have meat or dairy and with together but they can't yeah that's yeah. a that's a great point as soon as you start something tastes like the flavor of cheese but mm -hmm. it is the base ingredients is it's not made with like animal products or dairy right. products you can yeah. you can combine it you know depending on what what it is you can definitely combine those things together that's the cool thing of like food chemistry today yeah right and it's interesting yeah i was talking to um this one jewish guy who was talking about kosher foods and we were talking about veganism and he, and he said that already once you're vegan you're basically 95 percent there so the kosher diet 
is in a way trying to guide people to maybe eating more plant-based or maybe just being aware, hey, you shouldn't do these. Like we think about religion and and we say, oh, religion is so backwards, but there's a lot of like good nuggets in religion, like even fasting and stuff like that. Yes, 100% fasting is really great or doing like annual fasting in the spring. It's not for nothing that so many religions they go through fasting and it's always in the spring months. Yeah. Right? Why so is you're, that? You're resetting your body mm. after the winter time. So you're like, it's like the, the, the beginning, right? So it's the renewal. So it coincides with um, people just kind of like resetting their entire system and going into the summer months, like after a cleanse. Okay. Because in the winter time, right? You're, you're kind of eating comfort. You're, you're, you're eating, you know, fattier foods. You're, you're more sedentary. So basically coming out of that as the weather breaks, it's like you're being reborn right mm. as the as the year as the, the world becomes reborn right because like the, the trees have died everything is hibernating you know the streams are frozen over and then all of a sudden everything starts to thaw so it's the mm. rebirth of nature in line with like we're endemic to our natural environment right so we have to follow the seasons also there's even diets that are the seasons diets like as, really? like yeah like- you you can recommend to people depending on where they're living in the world to eat uh, what's in season at that time that they can locally source yeah, from their environment. Because where we are, where we were born, where we grow up, the eating habits that we have, like we should follow the seasons with where we live, right? Yeah, technically. Yeah. It's like technically I'm Canadian, so I have no business eating a pineapple in January. <laughs> <laughs> or do you? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like I should just be eating potatoes or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was actually, I had um, Conscious Chef um on my podcast the other day and we were talking about something similar to this and yeah i want to know your opinion on it so we were talking about how different people should eat the diet based off where they were raised or where they're from their culture because you know if you have someone living in uh in brazil or someone living in alaska they're going to have completely different bacteria in their gut different different cycles microbiomes yeah even like yeah yeah. microbiome is based on what you eat right and uh, even different seasons, like uh, season, like in Brazil, they probably don't really have much seasons, or it's very minimal. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to somewhere much up north, like in in the U.S. in New York City, or for example, there's all seasons. You have it all. Yeah. So you're eating four dis- you can distinct mm-hmm. seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, so you eat basically where from where you're at. Yeah, and and you eat that like whatever you your annual general food consumption is. You don't want to. If you if you decide that you're you know you've never really eaten guanabana or something which is totally normal if you're mm-hmm. from the north right and then you want to come down to the south and then you just want to gorge on it like you may or may not i mean it might be okay because you might have bacteria in you anyway that can help digest that but sometimes you don't because you haven't colonized your gut right. with that bacteria yeah. because you know you're used to eating x x and x and so what you have living inside of you is in response to that okay so yeah. Where does where does this bacteria? Because I heard the bacteria starts actually when we come out of our mother's canal during birth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the baby, and this is why uh, vaginal births are touted as being better. Of course, if you're in an emergency situation, you have to be born by a cesarean. Well, it is what it is. But ideally, you'd want to go through a vaginal. Uh, for vaginal birth because basically as the baby's coming out it's actually opening and closing its mouth mm. and it's actually ingesting all of the like bacteria in the mother's vaginal canal and that's colonizing right it's right. it's yeah it's gut and then the very beginning of breastfeeding 
you've got colostrum that comes out before the breast milk and colostrum is like all with the antibodies and it basically helps seal the gut lining in a baby. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you have babies and they're colicky or they've got eczema or they've got a lot of problems, it might be related to the fact that they were formula fed right away and they never got that colostrum. Because yeah. they're having almost like a leaky gut situation. Right. They don't have your the mother's start off like defense yes. system. Exactly. Yeah. So it's hundred percent true. So it's like from from gestation all the way through birth, all the way through the early years, all the way through life, right? Our microbiome is really determined the whole time. Like oh. even before you have a really a choice in the matter, because now you and I can decide how we want our microbiome to be <laughs> with, the, with the food choices that we make. But when we were born, we didn't. You know, no, we, we didn't, didn't have a choice. That. We didn't have a choice, right? It was based off, yeah, where you grew up and whether you were playing in the dirt or not, or playing outside, or whether yeah. you were kept indoors and everything was sanitized. And, and everything is based on your parents' philosophies or the environment that you're in, the community that you're in, right? Yeah, definitely. So. And uh, so, what would you say is the best way to kind of build up a healthy um, microbiome or is it is it called gut flora or microbiome what, all those things yeah, yeah what's, the, what is the, what's the difference real quick between between is it is the, is the gut flora just in your gut and then your microbiome is your entire bacteria it is okay so if you use the word just microbiome it refers to the whole human body okay, our okay. skin is filled with bacteria oh my god that... let me get some Lysol just <laughs> don't you know it's supposed to be there <laughs> it's supposed to be there to protect you right, right. Uh, but if you then you want to isolate what you're referring to because there's micro environments mm. So if you say gut microbiome, then everybody knows you're referring to the intestinal situation with the okay. bacteria because your stomach doesn't have anything in it. It has acidity that it naturally produces to properly really start digestion and break apart all your food and create like this liquid consistency called chyme. But all of the bacterial magic really happens in the small intestine. Ah, that's right? where the magic happens, right? Yeah, that's where the magic happens, <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> so that's really where okay. the bacteria reside. And then once they get that liquid, they're going to start being able to pick apart and assimilate those nutrients. And so mm. if you don't have the capacity to digest certain foods because you get bloated or you just get stomach pains and you just know, like you run to the bathroom, well, you're lacking the bacteria to digest those foods. It's not an intolerance like the food necessarily. I mean, it can be if the food has been very adulterated, like a genetically modified product, which is foreign. But let's say you're eating like an organic apple and you just can't eat apples all of a sudden. Well, you're lacking the bacteria in your intestine to digest that apple. That's why you can't do it. Mm. But if you wanted to eat apples in the future, you would just have to re-inoculate your gut and give it diversity. Ah. So the best way to get an amazing gut microbiome is through diverse eating. That literally you just and eat dirt or something eat like <laughs> you know what i mean like the idea of us <laughs> playing in the dirt and and getting all these crazy minerals from soil and just being exposed to lots of different environments you can, you can make the argument like kiss a bunch of different people because oh. whenever you're intimate with people if you hug them if you kiss them if you you're 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 feeling their microbiome on the exterior. You're kissing them. So you guys are exchanging and your immune system is being bolstered by that. That explains why, you know, a lot of maybe Latin people have really good health. <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> they're always kissing each other and hugging each other and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Well, you're supposed to, we're which supposed is, to. yeah, like like the idea of us not being able to be in contact with one another is a disservice to our immune system mm -hmm. and to our immune function. Right. So if you keep, uh, you know, if you were to just do like tests, like test subjects and just keep them isolated in these little boxes, 
they would have no immune system because what creates your immune system is all this is nature is breathing in the biome of the earth around you it's plant fibers and pollens and skin cells and all of that stuff like the enzymes in saliva like all those things you know like all the transference that you get through the everyday life actually helps build and protect you and helps you thrive that makes a lot of sense yeah and you're just being around other people and and the touching part is a big part right when people say oh don't touch this don't or the, your parents might be like oh don't touch that or don't play in the dirt yeah. but i remember when i was a kid i would i just, played in the dirt and i barely ever got sick i remember i had asthma when i was a kid and now i don't mm -hmm. and i think a lot of it was just because i was around people a lot and i came from a, a latin family where you know we would hug each other and 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 touch each other mm -hmm. like like hanging out and and mm -hmm. you know give each other a kiss on the cheek and and play around with other kids and we play tag and we just like wrestle each other so we'd be wrestling all the kids in, in on, on the block it's the beauty of kids yeah together and being in this togetherness where they don't have any they haven't developed any of the like you know boundaries or you know limitations that we right. can as adults have right and they're just freely you know, being with one another in, and, and curiosity, like they're curious, they're playing in all kinds of environments and touching all kinds of things that maybe <laughs> their parents or community doesn't want them to. But that is all part of your children building up an amazing immune system. Yeah, I think as parents, you want to protect. I mean, we, I'm not a parent, but <laughs> as parents, <laughs> as future bit, parents, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't really know, because once you're a parent, you kind of you have this like fear of like oh my god like where are my kids like oh i have to keep them close i have to protect them keep them safe and yeah especially the older that they get you know want their kids and you want to protect them but then like a year two years three years and then they start getting their own independence and then as a parent you just think oh my god no don't do this no don't do that don't touch that don't play here come home yeah and yeah it's also psychological where you, you keep boxing these kids in and, and as kids as humans we're just natural explorers we want to explore things and and see what's out there and test and learn and but test our boundaries and you know you can argue that creating all of these boxes for kids makes them live with those boxes their entire life and we mm. lose that sense of curiosity and exploration and it's replaced with fear and hesitation instead Ooh, right boxes, yeah. i just saw jim carrey said you can either choose fear or love he had this really good speech but oh yeah jim carrey's great ah, there's his graduation carrey. speech yeah but oh, the that, graduation. That, yeah, yeah but that's what it is <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can it's because fear is slow vibration and fear is super pervasive and it'll literally create these self-limiting beliefs mm -hmm. you will not do everything that you want to do or not even realize everything that you want to do because you're sort of have crafted this identity um which could stem from just never having exposure to things or never being allowed or being told to not go towards those things because they were dangerous i think that's a really good point is it's not just like nutrition but it's also social it's also how you grew up mental spiritual all these things together so what what is crushing healthy like where where does where does that come from what does that stem from so the idea was that um building a site that is going to um be able to provide tons of tools and tips for people to actually apply healthy living in their everyday life and give them lots of information for not only their own knowledge and education but also for them to be able to navigate today which is a very confusing landscape when it comes to health and nutrition and so confusing so i mean confusing. you can read one article with hundreds of studies saying one thing and then there's another article saying the complete opposite with the same hundreds of studies and uh -huh. it's like 
Yeah. How, how do you? How does yeah. anyone ever come to a decision on what's healthy or not? Right. Exactly. So, you know, for me and my the, the the direction that I want to go with my site was that I wanted to make it an empowering place where people can get a lot of information. And so basically you're trying to kind of cut through all of that and you're mm. trying to find like the commonalities. Um, and then you're trying to also give people all the tools to help them for themselves make their own decision. So that's the empowerment. It's empowering the individual, oh. right? Wait, you're giving people the freedom to choose? <laughs> whoa, but whoa. It, it's, this no, is like... Informed consent is really like, I guess, like the tag. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, there, right? I'm kidding. Yeah. Of course, that's the great idea. But, you know, yeah. we had this idea that, no, 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 where we have to... Um, talk to our doctors or talk to other people talk to the experts so quote unquote experts mm -hmm. and and no it's it's not what i think is good for me but someone else might say might yeah. be the one determining but you're saying no educate yourself learn about what's best for you and then you make your decision 100 you make you will make the best choice for you no matter what that is if you have all the facts mm -hmm. right like you go to your arguing in court you have to have all the facts right? just the it's facts the man kind of thing. Yeah. so the idea is that you have to have as much information as possible that that makes you far more empowered and takes you out of a fear center okay and the thing is that we're all these super sovereign beings and our entire society is kind of structured towards disempowering the individual and mm. relying on other people to tell us what to do and how to do it and if it's okay, right? And yes, like you use the word experts, like they've created an entire panel of experts based on said organizations. And then it's like, oh, well, those experts know best. And so you're disempowered because you're told that you don't know what you're talking about. But if you were to actually be introspective and look within yourself, each of us actually knows what's best for us. We can yeah. feel it. If you have that connection within yourself, you know, you, you listen to your instinct, you listen to your gut, your food cravings tell you what's good. Your instinct, a good feeling, a bad feeling towards a person, towards a scenario and situation. We're told our whole lives not to listen to that, not to be in alignment within ourselves. Right. So the idea is look within yourself, get back your power and utilize that power. Like you don't have to have 25 years of nutrition PhDs behind you to be able to make an informed consent decision about mm. what's best for you and your family. Just here's all the facts. Like if you want to know, you know, a lot of people, we talk about plant milks, they're super popular today, but you know, things like almond milk, they're not sustainable really, mm, right? Why is that? Well, because of the way that they're harvested and just the pesticides that are used and that entire sort of commercial process. And so the more you have people that are demanding a product, the more, you know, that that economy is going to grow, grow for that product. And mm. so you're going to have some malpractices that develop, right? Industrialized right. products. So if you know how your almond milk is being cultivated, if you know what brands are doing what, you'll make a more informed decision. Mm -hmm. You'll decide, oh, I want to support these guys because these guys actually, they do, you know, uh, like they work with local communities or they, they do things that they don't, they, it's all organic, they don't use any pesticides. And so you're going to support what you feel is right, you know? And so at least if you say at the end of the day that you're going to still buy boxed almond milk with, you know, additives in it because that's that's in your budget, well, at least you know. Right. Like, it's you your can decision. still make that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that now you know that there's other options out there for you. And you know that maybe the decision that you thought you were making that was so sound maybe isn't as sound as you thought. Mm, okay? I like that. So, like, Can food geography plays a big part in crushing healthy. And the idea is have everything that you need to actually crush your life and crush your health mm. like rocket right be empowered like it's, geography rocket i like that like yeah. a pun <laughs> right well and it, it and it it's combined with environments as well right okay. like the 
look at, you know, overfishing, let's say, right? So it's like the idea is there's a lot of nutritionists that'll support eating fish because you need the DHA and you need the, the omegas, but it's like, then you have to look at the industry behind it. And then is it still a sound choice for you? Mm. Right? Yeah, I think uh, if you feel, if you can know the facts and you still feel comfortable at the end of the day doing doing that, I mean, it's, it's your choice, but... Yeah, I think we all live, we have one earth, right? It's one place where we live. And we also need to think about not just ourselves, but our, our family and then the future of our kids. And, and oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a big part of it. But even still with like the almonds, um, yeah, I mean, when you think about, you know, just being vegan also, it's not just being vegan. It's also like you said, you have to be aware of, of where you're getting your, your almonds or your avocados or your, your wheat or your soy and all these things and yeah it's yeah i mean the, the, there's all these for years now these documentaries on netflix let's say that are sort of these exposés about the chocolate industry or about where you're getting your products or how they're harvested or about agricultural practices mm -hmm. and i think that people you know need to be knowing these things but on top of like those documentaries are great because they educate you but they don't necessarily help you find a solution to the right, situation I you're hate like that. you're sitting there going <laughs> oh no yeah. like I don't want to eat fish anymore. I just saw seaspiracy. But then it's like, what's an alternative for you if you're from a culture where seafood plays a major role in your family life and your in your friend circle or whatever it is? It might not be so easy mm -hmm. to just stop eating something, right? right? So it's like, what are the tools and tricks and yeah. sort of like what what's the information that you need to actually apply those changes into your life? I think uh, if you also have the privilege of being able to do that, then I think you should you yeah. have the responsibility also to lead the way, to pave the way for people who may not have that ability. But by you doing that, then you create a, an industry that can create maybe cheaper or more affordable products for people who right now aren't able to. That's a very good point. To get that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Too. Yeah, yes. Like you vote with your dollar. Vote with your dollars. Sometimes it also means if you're going to stop supporting an industry, it might not get rid of the entire industry, but it'll definitely diminish the impact that it's having. And then individuals that really rely on that will still be able to have access to it. Right. I mean, yeah, just look at, for example, veganism back 10, 15, 20 years ago, you'd be hard to find a lot, any vegan products. You know, it was just a few cheese, like Daya or something like that. And yeah, a I few kosher. <laughs> it was like sparse in the fridge. It was like, it was like two companies. Yeah. yeah and totally now right. there's all these plant-based milks and all these dairy products, ice cream, meats, sausages, beyond meat. Yeah. I wish I would have invested in them when I first heard them. <laughs> I should have, but um, just like anything else. But yeah, I mean, by you, by people, individual people making a small change in their diet, they're able to create a whole new industry and change the, the way that the way that we're farming and the landscape of everything. Uh, people have all the power. We do. We, we don't realize the, that. We really don't realize that. That's a huge problem. It is the problem that why we are in any negative situation. Because yeah. when you realize your own power and, and the ability for you to craft the life that you want and to build the people around you that you want. I mean, what yeah, that's like utopia. <laughs> like what more do you really want? Like you can live in abundance. Right. No problem, right? And so it's like you but you, that has to come from inside of you. I think and, abundance is like one of the biggest part of uh of having a a healthy society. Abundance uh, being also a healthy individual but also a healthy society where if you have abundance, if you have um, an abundance of food, abundance of uh, love, an abundance of um, homes and hospitals and healthcare and education, 
where everyone has access to these just basic human needs, then a lot of the crime is gone. A lot of the reasons people do commit crimes is because of scarcity. It's because they don't have the opportunities or they feel they don't have the opportunities or they just they're comparing themselves and they just see no way out. Um, yeah, so I think abundance is definitely a big part of health. A hundred percent. That's really the basis for it. Like you wouldn't have the same injustices. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have the same divisions, actually, because people's I mean, like you said, basic needs or Maslow's hierarchy of needs would be met. And, you know, yeah. abundance starts in the mind. It starts with believing. It starts. It's a philosophy. It's yeah, an yeah. outlook of life. And so when you have an outlook of life, it shapes the way your life goes. Like you decide in the morning, is this going to be a good day? Is this going to be a bad day? Right? right? Your mind is super powerful. And if you think in abundance, you manifest it for yourself. And you manifest it for other people. And it's contagious. I like that. Yeah. So if you, you know, there are people who are persistent towards their dreams. And guess what? They very often achieve those dreams. And it was because they always stayed in faith. They always stayed in love. They always stayed in abundance. Yeah, yeah. You know? I like that. Yeah, because because yeah. I mean, you can uh, you can have for someone for someone who let's say is living in in let's say a poor area. It doesn't mean that they're not living in abundance because to them it's a mindset. They have everything they need. Maybe they have their friends, their family, their their spouse, and their kids. And when I went to Bali, I was so amazed to see just people with so little. But they were so happy. They just, they didn't really care about the material things. I, rem- I remember one day my scooter had broken down in um, Nusa Penida, this island right off Bali. And I ran out of gas and I was just, uh, I was pushing my scooter and I couldn't find the gas station. And I had come across this family and they had gas and they were just like, no, here, you can have it. Don't worry. Don't even pay us. I was like, what? No, here. They're like, no, no, we want to help you. It's okay. We don't need it. You, you need it more than we do. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. They just, it's just their mindset. They're just, they're living in abundance. And I'm sure that they, when they need something, someone gives to them. Right. Right. And so it's, I've traveled too. And I've seen that some of the areas in the world where the children are the happiest and healthiest are areas where they don't have what we consider to be riches, right? Mm -hmm. These big material things that in so many, you know, G8 countries we, we strive for and define ourselves by like, these people are actually happy because it's like they've realized that the most important things in life are not aren't sitting on your wall like a big screen or something, right? right? Or like, a million dollar painting or something like that. Right. Like so, you know, I think that you know we have the value systems kind of wrong in a lot of places, and we can really learn from you know these less developed and smaller cultures. Yeah, and also too, it's so funny because I heard this one person say how today now we have rich people are eating the poor man's diet to be healthy and back then it was all about you know importing your food from other places all over the world and having all these these foreign things and now it's about no local and sustainable and natural which people have been doing for such a long time that's a poor man's diet it's a cycle we're going back to the artisanal and going back to you know eating off the land and breaking bread with our brothers and and traditional preparations of food right and a lot of people, especially, you know, these days with everything going on in the world, they're all about growing their own food. So there's kind of like this big resurgence of mm. people doing gardens in their backyard, community sponsored agriculture, uh, wanting to get plots of land and just like the land themselves. And what, what's the best way to eat your food healthy? Is it what do you like? Is there because I know some people might, you know, be eating their food while watching Netflix or not paying attention or so. Um, 
great food eaten in a relaxed state mm -hmm. is really the best way to make sure that you're breaking down your food properly and absorbing stuff because most of us um you know depending on our lifestyle eat in a hurry so wait, i shouldn't eat while i'm running a marathon like, oh, <laughs> eating my noodles my chinese food as so i'm like i'm running to work i'm late <laughs> <laughs> eating in the car eating in the car you know, and traffic or, or like you only have that one hour for lunch break uh, you right. work in a corporate job and you're kind of rushing to the food court and you're kind of standing in a line and mm. then you really only have half an hour and the whole time you're thinking about all the things to come to be i have this meeting and so what you're doing is you're totally upsetting your whole digestive system and mm. then you are going to find yourself with inflammation and bloating and long-term damage and problems and at the very basis of all of that lack of actual absorption of nutrients and lack of health I think that's a very good point because a lot of people they may be in a corporate environment at work and they're like what well, i'm eating salad every day and i'm still not healthy my skin is breaking out or i'm yeah. i'm having all these uh health problems but i eat so healthy and it's like wait but are you actually absorbing the food yeah you it's not what you eat it's what you're digesting more mm, so right. i mean it yeah, comes it, it, down to what you eat if you're just eating like a full processed food junkie diet all the time so yeah it's not you what know. i can eat like chocolate <laughs> and pasta you can if it's good quality chocolate no, i love chocolate yeah i love chocolate but you got to get the dark chocolate mm. and it's got to be organic mm. and it, you know it's got to be like full of antioxidants and it's got to be you know, not like a staple where it's like Hershey's chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just like mostly chemicals. Yeah, basically. yeah. it's not really so, real. But there, there's lots of ways to eat. I mean, that's what the book that I'm working on is based on, too. Right. It's junk. It's like junky, you know, smoothies and, and juices, but that are still made from real whole products that mm. are still tasting really good and still technically giving you boost of nutrition. What is uh, some of this junkiness? So <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued that you said junky food yeah, that can be healthy. What? Sign me up. Where do I sign up? Yeah. So take again, my money right now, please. So this is <laughs> a, a book that's more like a pleasure book. Um, so it's based on the fact that ah, you got me. Yeah. Right. So me. because we get pleasure when we eat food and right. we love things like sugar and fat because they really satiate us. And when we eat sugar, we release endorphins. Mm. There's this whole biochemical process that goes on. Right? It gets so addictive for us. And so the idea is that so many people don't see themselves in a world where they can actually give that up fully. So we created products that were kind of like the middle ground. So it's like you're swapping out. So if you want to go do like a Nestle quick chocolate and you're giving that to your kid, well, we actually have a way better chocolate milk made with like cashews and made with like, you know, organics, mm. cocoa that's, you know, been properly sourced with no, you know, arsenic or heavy metals in it. Right. And it's like, we're kind of giving the same flavor profiles but using all like high quality ingredients, right? And you know what I realized that when you do try these high quality, you taste it. Like it's such, it's yeah. like, you know, like, you know, it's high quality when you're, when you're eating like a Nestle quick yeah. instant thing, you're like, ugh. Yeah. But like you taste the cashew, you taste the cacao, you taste. Yeah, it's, and it's so like, like pungent and potent in your mouth, right? It's like this massive flavor burst. Like right. I always say that too, you can taste the difference. And if some people out there say they can't taste the difference, they've got really got a lot of microbiome work to do <laughs> because their cravings are being dictated by their back bacteria, their lack of diversity of bacteria. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement with you. So that that's kind of the whole concept. So it's all these sort of mocktails and smoothies that taste like dessert or that mm -hmm. taste like cocktails-ish, mm -hmm. right? So it's like if you go into a bar and you say, uh, like we have one that's that tastes like a cosmopolitan martini. Okay. So it's like you go to a bar and you order a cosmopolitan. I mean, it's 
pure alcohol and sugar. It's like, well, if you have a juicer, we've kind of put together a recipe for you that you can even drink it in a martini glass if you want, but it's mm. made with fresh cranberries and fresh lime and all kinds of stuff. So it's all fresh ingredients. So when you're drinking it, it's like it's a mocktail that you can use as a substitute for what you would have preferred to drink, which is maybe go to a bar and whatever does, it is. Does right? this mocktail have alcohol in it? No alcohol? Question, have you heard of uh, these non-alcoholic uh, spirits like seed lip or there's a few other ones, but they're actually what they do is they they, they use the same process of distilling grains or alcohol but they use it it's a medicinal way where they extract the alcohol from it but you okay. still have the the spirit mm -hmm. in it I, I don't know if i'm exactly 100 right I, but i'm totally getting what you're saying yeah. but yeah so they have the spirit so it's non-alcoholic but it has that that punch that you get from, from when, when you have a cocktail or you have a, a drink and Very it's cool. had doesn't have any of the alcohol so it's, it's almost medicinal in a way yeah it's it's the same way that you're like i guess in a way making a tea where you're steeping the tea and extracting all of the nutrients from that plant into your actual hot water. Right, right. right? So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, I, I actually haven't heard too much about that, but I'm going to go and research it because I should. find that super interesting. You should, yeah, especially if you want to make these mocktails and people are like, oh, it doesn't have something strong. Like, I want a strong, like... <laughs> like, I want something that tastes like bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't have, like, the... I don't think it has... I've never tried it, but they've had these pop-ups in New York City and they've been doing really well because a lot of people actually don't want to drink alcohol right they they yeah, go to a party a college party or they go to a bar because they want to socialize they want to meet people but they also don't want to drink but then they get pressured and so what wait you're not you're not drinking and I, I think that happens to so many people i mean i drink sometimes but sometimes i just want to go out and dance and have fun and meet people and socialize and if they see me and they're like wait are you drinking that's that's one of the first questions that i always get and i know a lot of people get this a lot and Yes, it's peer pressure to drink alcohol. Yeah, no, it's true. It really is. Um, and that's part of the reason why people actually don't give up so, so those habits. Because peers are really important to us, right? right. We define ourselves with the people around us. Um, you know, we seek approval and we seek acceptance. And that will be a deterrent to us actually adopting any healthy lifestyles because of it. And you're 100% right. So having something in your hand that is kind of like alcohol, but isn't alcohol that makes you feel like you're kind of part of the party and fitting in. Right. No one's asking you questions. Yeah, yeah. It just makes life a lot easier, That's right? That's like, yeah. yeah. So I'm definitely going to look into what you said because I find it amazing. And like kombuchas filled that role yeah. in certain ways for restaurants and in bars where people are having something sparkly and car right. you know carbonated and kind of tasty. It gives them this idea that they're still drinking kind of like a cocktail, but... Mm -hmm. You know? The only thing that bothers me is like when you're you're um, drink like you buy a, a non-alcoholic drink and it's almost the same price as a alcoholic drink. It's like, yeah. uh, but sometimes I'll just grab someone else's drink and I'll just hold it because I just <laughs> I don't feel like buying a drink. You're I like think. I don't want to have this conversation with this person. Here we go. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's just it's peer pressure is such a big issue and it's just it's sad because yeah people want to have a good time and people want to socialize but they're peer pressure and alcohol i think is the worst drug yeah the worst i mean it's worse than marijuana i mean not that marijuana is bad or anything but marijuana gets stigmatized and demonized when alcohol is sold everywhere and it's just like it, it causes so many deaths so many breakups of marriage so many relationship issues and not that alcohol is not bad in itself it's just that We've built a society where you can't even go out and just have fun with people without people looking at you like you're you have three heads. 
Yeah, it's a very cultural, um, specifically in North America, this whole binge drinking. It's like a rite of passage when you're young and you're going through, you know, your teenage and young 20s and you're, everybody's just partying and having a good time. And it's like you're kind of considered an idiot or an outcast if you're not part of that. Like, Dude, you square. didn't get drunk. What do you mean? You know, what? Like, you didn't get shit face. And face. you I'm remember so last hammered. night? Yeah, exactly. Can't believe you remember what happened last night, dude. Yeah. So I think that this, like, we've created, you know, this entire culture around it and that people just feel like it's just normal and natural and part of their, like, adult life, like, that they need to be partaking in this. And then what happens is, like, when you've defined yourself by that, when somebody all of a sudden decides, actually, this lifestyle isn't for me anymore, I don't want to do this habit anymore, you create a challenge for the people around you mm -hmm. because they no longer feel that they identify with you. And so they question themselves. And sometimes mm. if people don't want to give up, the habit, they feel bad about themselves. And so right. you're technically without doing it on purpose, you're kind of making them reflect and feel bad about themselves. So they're going to pressure you to stay down the rabbit hole with them, yeah, right? Yeah. So misery loves company, right? right? But alcohol is huge depressant and yet we allow it. Like we allow our teens to drink. We allow our young adults to go to bars and partake in this kind of stuff. And yeah. it is so awful for your morale, for your senses, for your clarity of mind, for being empowered within yourself. Yeah. yeah, I think also the big part um, with alcohol is that like I was having this conversation with one of my other guests and he's from Germany and in Germany, the drinking age for like beer is 16 and then for hard alcohol is 18. But they're able to handle it a lot better because the the, the stigma around it or the the way that it's not it's not you're not giving the choice like in, in the in states where you're you have to wait till you're 21 to drink alcohol wow. and since something like that so people end up doing it um eat, like behind people's back and they end up doing it illegally and and then yeah so then when you do actually when actually you can drink you're 21 you're just going crazy and mm -hmm. you're going to bars and all these things oh and i've seen um you know being from canada the drinking age in the province where i'm from was 18. So we're right on the border of like Vermont and Massachusetts. Um, so tons of Boston kids at their 18th birthday would up. drive up the five hours across the Canadian border and they would right. just be like, I'm of legal drinking age, you know, like three or four years before I'm actually able to do it in the United States. And they would get I mean, because I, I was bartending in those days because I was in university and I would just serve these kids and they would just get obliterated. They would be throwing up in the doorway on the way out. They'd be getting into fights on the street just because it, repression breeds rebellion, right? Like <laughs> right, ultimately right. repression's not a good thing. And yeah, so yeah. in some European cultures, having a glass of wine or having beer at a young age, is just part of it. So you don't actually, when you're exposed to it young and you experiment, you don't have to feel like it's a forbidden fruit. Mm -hmm. Forbidden right? fruit, yeah. It doesn't create bingey behavior. The forbidden fruit, go make that smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good name for a smoothie. <laughs> the, yeah. forbidden <laughs> the forbidden fruit. The forbidden fruit, yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. A nice smoothie. Okay, cool. A nice fruit, yeah. So what else is healthy? What um, what is your, So what is your book about, really? Well, so as I was saying before, I, like, I kind of touched on it quickly. It's uh, junk juice recipes. So we've taken... Junk juice. Oh, you yeah. got me already. I'm sold. Yeah, so it, again, juice. it's a pleasure book over it being a full nutrition book. Um, You know, like if, if you're trying to follow a keto diet or you're on some crazy fitness plan, like... You might not be interested in living off of the recipes in this book, right? Oh, there we go. That's yeah. better. Yeah, I think it was falling. Um, yeah, if you're if you're really following a specific protocol, program, or you're healing from something, you might not want to, you know, might not want to make this book your Bible and doctrine. 
Um, but what what this book does allow is is sort of like that middle ground to swap out some really junky stuff in your life and replace it with better quality stuff without losing the integrity of the flavor. Because mm. lots of people say the hardest thing is in eating healthy is if it doesn't taste the same. Like, oh, you know, this plant burger doesn't taste the same as a cheeseburger. Or like right. this chocolate milk doesn't taste the same as like, you know, a traditional chocolate milk. So it's like mm. we kind of wanted to bridge that gap and make something super fun. And since we both come from hospitality backgrounds, because my sister's my co-author on this book, um, we just developed a whole set of recipes that are all like, I have smoothie bowls. One of them's like banana caramel. Uh, we have a carrot cake uh, smoothie. Uh, I mean, I have a pina colada one. I've got all these crazy mocktails in there too that are later modeled after actual uh, cocktails that are in a restaurant. And then we've also got like things that replace sodas. Mm. So I have like a cream soda recipe that's made with cherries and strawberries. Nice. Hold right. on a second. Hola. <laughs> I didn't realize they closed. Uh, I think, I don't know if they're closing this section. Mm. Um, it looks like, what time is it? It is almost four. But I think we're good. I don't know if they turned it up. You feel like they turned it up or they didn't? Uh, I can't tell. Maybe it just got quieter with the door closed. You hear the music more. Um, you don't have the street noise coming in. Yeah, maybe we just be closer to the mic. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be better. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I really like the idea. I think also, too, that... Uh, Um, I think that, um, yeah, that sounds better. I think that when people say, well, it doesn't taste as good or it doesn't, um, it's also because they're addicted to maybe certain, right? Certain sweets. And, um, but it's just a matter of changing, changing your habits. I know that when I, I did, a, I stopped eating certain sugars for a while and then certain foods that had a lot of sugar. And then when I tried to re-eat them like a few weeks later, it was so sweet. I was like, this is this is so much. Sickening, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've changed. Anytime you make a food choice, you're in the power seat of altering your microbiome. Mm -hmm. So if you are eating a pretty synthetic diet or you're feeding your children a synthetic diet, well, their microbiome is going to crave those things. And then if you enter in, uh, instead of giving them chocolate milk from, you know, a carton, um, you're making them a fresh chocolate milk, like a plant milk at home and adding in some real cocoa. And even though the taste is super similar, um, over time, their microbiome is going to change because you've just given them some actual real ingredients with like live enzymes in it, let's say. Mm. So their microbiome will be altered. And then when they do go back and try and eat something that's more synthetic, they'll have a hard time with it. And that is how you get somebody off of being addicted to things. Oh, OK. Yeah. So you 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 can sometimes it's difficult to stop cold turkey so a good way to do it is create swaps that are better quality swaps but still maintaining a kind of similar you know flavor profile or similar sweetness like you don't want to ask somebody to 100% give up sugar if they're really into sugar they're gonna have a hard time right. their body might go through a few like detox changes as well and that might be really difficult for them so you say okay well you're gonna replace this with this, you know, that you're going to place this sugar is 100% refined, genetically modified, you know, beet white sugar. You're going to replace it with like, uh, you know, unrefined turbinado or coconut sugar in smaller quantities. And you're going to, and then you're just slowly kind of wean them off and go into an opposite direction. And their microbiome, as it changes, they won't have the same cravings. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Switch it up. Switch it up on them. Yeah, it's, it's the way to do it, right? Like, uh, 
you a person will keep wanting to eat what they want to eat they believe that their cravings are, are their body dictating what it needs but it's the bacteria in your body that are dictating what you crave yes. so what do you do you change up the bacteria you make it more diverse you, you have too much bad bacteria to good bacteria going on in there if you're craving bad things for you because the the very basis of human being like any sentient thing is to survive and thrive so mm -hmm. if we're doing habits and making choices that are against our our survival and our, our our ability to thrive which is our society today we have to ask ourselves well what is driving that like we're almost like self-intoxicating so we're cre we've created an auto-intoxicating environment for ourselves. We're not thriving in it, right? If we change the bacteria, if we create a healthier environment around us, our natural environment as much as our internal environment, we're only going to want good things for us. I like that. Yeah, changing your environment. I think also, too, a lot of uh, addiction um, is environment is dependent on your environment. I took an addiction class in uh, university. And they talked about how people who went to, um, to, I don't know if it was Vietnam or one of the Korean wars, and there was a lot of uh, heroin use, heavy, heavy, like pure heroin they would use. But then when they came back, yeah, there were some people who were, ha had really bad problems, but a lot of them kicked it right away because they were taking heroin, pure, he pure heroin, but they were in an environment where they were seeing their best friends die in front of them and they felt there was no option so their only escape was to yeah. take heroin but when they came back to the states and it was a completely different environment they were able to just stop cold turkey not cold turkey but eventually they, they just got off it much yes. quicker than people who take these drugs and they stay in the same environment that's why when you go to also when you go to rehab you can kick it when you're in rehab but then you come back home and then you get back into the same cycles absolutely your your environment is so key like, you know, uh, the exterior environment is really key and you being able to adapt any of the habits that you have for sure. Um, it, like, that's a perfect example. And it's like, if you are looking to become healthier in your life, but all of your friends are still living that old lifestyle, if you stay hanging around with them, it's going to be really, really difficult for you. And you might not get the support that you're looking for. So guess what? The best way to do it is to switch up your friends, switch up your immediate environment around you. If you're, you know, living in an urban place and you're not thriving and you're stressed out, well, maybe move or consider where you are um, and, and make the appropriate changes in your house or in your neighborhood or whatever it might be in order to facilitate you making better choices for yourself. Right. We're super affected by the environment around us all the yeah. time. So, Especially social, like we're social animals and yes. our social circles, like birds of a feather flock together, right? So yeah. um, you may not be the same as your friends, but you're definitely influenced by even subconsciously, just the way they talk. I know when I'm around certain people, I tend to develop certain habits that my friends have. Yes. So, yeah, you can even see that within your family. You may not think so, but, you know, whether it's your brother or your parents, you have similar similar things that you do because you picked it up. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's 100 percent. it, And it's in fact, sometimes it can work against you if you have too small of an environment. Mm -hmm. You actually don't get challenged as a person. You don't grow the right. same way. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, to test to what you're saying, it's it's 100 percent true. If you're literally looking to make a shift within yourself, that might require you making a shift in the environment that you find yourself in. And that's sometimes what stops people from doing it, right? What, their environment, your friends? Well, or? sometimes it's really hard to extricate yourself from that environment. Um, for instance, if you have unsupportive parents, 
um, which happens a lot in the health field, you know, like um, you might have somebody who's decided that they want their belief system is more in Ayurveda or more in holistic health. And their parents are like really conservative and conventional and their parents don't support them. Mm. So they're going to have a really hard time actually following through with having that heart mind coherence within them and following through with what they want to do because they don't have the support and their parents, you know, are important to them, their parents' opinions, their peers, their, their friends. So oftentimes what your friends decide or what your parents say will define how you really live your life without even fully right. knowing that that's what you're doing. And yeah, it's up to you to make that decision and make that choice. Yeah, it's tough. I think these guys want to, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're like showing up do with you- brooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so do you want to say anything else? Do you want to tell people where they can find you? And uh, Yeah, um, so thank you again for having me here. I don't know if I thanked you at the beginning of this, but uh, <laughs> this has been awesome. Thanks. So right now I'm building my site. So uh, I'm going to have a placeholder up, but the site itself is not fully launched yet, but that's coming up. Uh, the book is set to launch this month coming, uh, hoping that the design works out and all of those details. Um, and then in, for now, you can find me sort of on social media. So my Instagram's the easiest. So it's uh, at Crushing Healthy. And uh, that I do a ton of posts and a ton of stories on sort of like what's happening and what's upcoming. So you can kind of keep on top if you're interested in anything that I'm And what's to. the title of the book? The Junk Juice Book. The Junk Juice Book. Yeah. The Junk Juice book yeah. yeah that's nice i like yeah that so it, it, it'll it'll know, help you get out junk build up your junk in your trunk <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not too much though because that will go against the philosophy uh, you know like <laughs> people don't want to be like making healthier choices and then finding themselves like you know not fitting in their pants but yeah, yeah. but i think that the title was more we wanted it to, to be a play on words and to get a larger audience to kind of captivate more of the critical mass of individuals who might be struggling with getting off of a more synthetic diet mm-hmm. and trying to find ways to still kind of have their pleasure and and have uh you know have their ha- cake have and their eat cravings. it yeah. have their junk and eat it too there you yeah, go yeah exactly slogan. i have a brownie smoothie and it tastes like brownies so it's like have your brownie and oh enjoy God. it i have right? to try one of your like smoothies guilt free yeah, yeah, yeah no for sure when like the book is ready to launch i might i might put together a little book party with some Ooh. recipes so i'm there i'm nice. there you nice. sold me. All right. All right, cool. I think we're going to get kicked out of here soon. Yeah, I know. They turned up the music, which they said they didn't, but I feel like they, they did. totally did. And they're like sweeping in our faces. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, thank you for listening. And, yeah. And this has been cool. Thank you for being on my show. Thanks so much. And we're out. All right. Cool. Bye. Bye. <laughs>